Welcome to Everyday Buddhism, making every day better by applying the proven tools found in Buddhist concepts. Welcome to episode 39 of Everyday Buddhism, making every day better. If you think even the word politics or political or anything about either of those words should not be mentioned or even whispered on a Buddhist podcast, blog, Facebook site, or other, then stop listening to this podcast episode now and find another one to listen to. But a word of caution, if you do, you will be missing the very teaching that might, in fact, help you through the rough spots of this world and in your life. If your mind is full of what you think Buddhism or spirituality should, quote-unquote, be, no matter what teaching emerges from this podcast, the associated blog post, or any other podcast or teacher, your mind will be too full to absorb it. If you are clutching too tightly to your expectations, you won't be able to pick up a new perspective that might bring you peace. I'll continue with more reflections on this in a podcast devoted to, oh, let's not speak of politics, um, and the sticky subject that it is after the usual podcast housekeeping. So, now you will, as I hinted a minute ago, you'll be able to find a blog post behind this podcast episode and future episodes in the membership community area of the Everyday Buddhism website, www.everyday-buddhism.com. As I have discussed over the last few episodes, we've been working hard on building an integrated membership community for those that might want to explore beyond just the public Facebook group or who don't like Facebook at all or who aren't able to join the Everyday Sangha. This membership or patron community is now live, as is our new YouTube channel, which we're not quite up to date on, but it takes a little time and we're working on it. This is all thanks to the partnership and support of one of my Bright Dawn Center of Oneness Buddhism lay minister colleagues, Levi Shinyo Walbert. Levi Shinyo Sensei will also be contributing content and guidance to the new membership community, as well as helping me lead the Everyday Sangha and helping me create bonus members-only podcast episodes. And there is already our first members-only podcast recorded and ready to listen to when you become a member of the new community. As a review of what the membership community offers, it's more discussion, teachings, podcast, all these features are part of the member patron $5 a month level. And some of the extras are special bonus podcasts for members only that will not be made public, two blog sections with articles, blogs, and Dharma glimpses from both myself and Levi Shinyo Walbert, links to the private YouTube video, uh, links to private YouTube videos and live feeds, which we hope to start working on on our new YouTube channel, 
a private secret Facebook group for those who still prefer Facebook and a member chat area on the membership community page of the Everyday Buddhism website where you can be a part of the exclusive members only chat. And you're, um, you're able to submit questions um, that will feature on a regular Ask Me Anything podcast. So join now so you don't miss out on the bonus features that are already there and those that we're planning for in the future. Just go to my website, www.everyday-buddhism.com and click on the tab that says Join Community or Sangha. From there, you can join the membership community and or the virtual Sangha. If you join the Everyday Sangha um, and participate in it regularly, you will automatically be a member of the members only or patron community. Now, the Sangha is a virtual Sangha meeting via Zoom video conference at 7.30 p.m. Eastern U.S. time every other Thursday. It's a wonderfully warm and loving place to support each other in the practice that is life, learning more tips and tricks and sharing with each other what we're learning. The next, uh, the next Sangha meeting is Thursday, February 20th. Um, and again, we meet every other week on Thursday evenings. And of course, if you haven't yet, please go to Amazon and grab a copy of my book, Everyday Buddhism, Real Life Buddhist Teachings and Practices for Real Change. It's available in ebook or paperback. And when you've finished it, please go back to Amazon to review the book. Reviews are very important, so let's get the number of reviews up there so more people can discover the book, the podcast, and the everyday Buddhism way of being in the world. So, that's it now. Thanks for your patience through all the announcements. And now on to the episode about, yeah, let's not speak about politics. And I hope this gave those of you who don't want me to speak about politics enough time to stop listening if what I'm about to say offends you, because I am going to talk about the P word, politics. And so here we are again, elections, politics, divisiveness, separation, tribal rage. Yet, it feels we have never had even a moment out of this boiling pot since 2015. It's been a tumultuous time for the U.S. and the U.K. We've had tumultuous times before in this country and the world, but for most of us alive today, and for what I imagine to be the bulk of my podcast listeners, we haven't witnessed this level of unrest, distrust, and anger before. I have, though, and those older than me certainly have. It was a time of major unrest in the 1960s when I was growing up, with protests and violence all around us, stemming from reactions to racial injustice and the Vietnam War. This is the time I was growing up. I lived in a small town in Ohio, Manaway, Ohio, located about 20 minutes or so from Kent State University, where protests and riots over the Vietnam War ended in the unspeakable. The May 4th, 1970 massacre of four unarmed college students by the Ohio National Guard. 
And that was 50 years ago. It's hard to believe because it's a very real time in my memory. All the colors, sounds, and emotions are right at the surface. And looking the other way and politely not speaking of the things of the world was not an option for me at that time. And it isn't now either. And long before these times of distrust and questioning, and long before Kent State University the massacre, we can recount multiple times where our country, our government, and the world was a real scary place to be. It's as old as human history. It is a part of who we are as humans. We cling to ideas of self and the world, and these ideas that we cling to are largely formed in a cloud of ignorance, in views not based on things as they are. And it is from that ignorance, mistrust, fear, anger, tribal rage, and wars begin. Yesterday, I decided to talk about the sticky subject of addressing the world and its politics head-on. Although I've touched on it a bit in episode 22, Release Your Cows, which initiated a few negative podcast reviews and emails, and also in episode 14, Protesting What's in Your Mind, an experience with a follower this week led to the seed thought of this episode. I wrote a bit about it on the public Facebook group for Everyday Buddhism. I said, Sometimes people request friendship with me on my personal Facebook page, in addition to joining the public Facebook group for Everyday Buddhism. And as an FYI, I have to say I'm in a very I'm a very imperfect human being, just like all of us. In Pure Land Buddhism, that is referred to as bamboo nature meaning we're foolish beings and we don't always do things right. It is actually wonderful to understand and accept that about ourselves because it helps us have compassion for others. And actually it helps us have compassion for ourselves. All of this I'm talking about now is to introduce something that happened this week. Someone who follows this group, the Everyday Buddhism Facebook page, was also a friend on my personal Facebook page. The person messaged me through a private message on Messenger and then quit the private group saying this, I was hoping this would be a place of peace and kindness and not political posts. Now, my first thought was political posts are not necessarily unkind. It's all in how you do things. It's about skillful means. But I replied, saying that his, her reaction was to my personal page and not to the public group. Typically, even on my personal Facebook page, I avoid politics. Yet sometimes I will post something funny or something I have a, excuse me, deep personal concern about that intersects with political life, which it's hard not to in this current world we live in. But I do not post these things on the group page, the Everyday Buddhism group page, nor do I approve or my other moderators approve such posts. And when I do post on my personal page, 
I always make sure it's not divisive or mean-spirited or filled with anger. So even if this person considered my own personal Facebook page a place, a public place, which it's not, it's my personal page, I try hard to make it a place of kindness. All this is to say that what makes us react in the way this person did is our expectations. The world is political and it's financial and it's warring and it's all sorts of things we may not want to talk about or even look at. But the beauty of Buddhism is that as a part of our practice, we try to see things as they are and not as we hope or would expect them to be. And that includes seeing people, our Dharma friends, and all people the way they are, but with kindness. You know, there's two truths, but the two truths are one truth in Buddhism. Samsara is nirvana. Nirvana is samsara. Form is emptiness, and emptiness is form. And this is from the Heart Sutra. If you are a friend on my page, remember, it's my page, a foolish being and not a Buddha. So that's what I wrote <clears throat> on the public Everyday Buddhism Facebook group to, to sort of talk about what just happened and a way to reflect on those things and how I see them from a Buddhist perspective. But I need to say more. One of the things that distinguishes Buddhism from other spiritual practices and religions is that it is very much about being in the world and not about escaping it. Even the more religious schools and practices of Buddhism, beyond just a secular Buddhism practice, have at their core the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. And those Four Noble Truths and that Eightfold Path is all about how we are in the world. I believe the problem that arises when the person I just referred to and others who have also posted comments about something I've said on a podcast that even remotely touches a political subject, I believe that it's their expectations of Buddhism and I'm defying those expectations. And their expectations of Buddhism, I believe, is something very different than what the Buddha taught. I, talk about, I talked about this in episode four, what does Buddhism say about? There is a view of Buddhism that is idealistic, that it's all about meditating and chanting in an incense-filled room hidden away from the world, that the peace promised in Buddhism comes from this concept of being away from, above, or different from the troubles of the world. Now, this view is the farthest thing from what the Buddha taught. The Buddha was soaked in the troubles and suffering of the world. It is the very thing that drove him to leave his family, to nearly starve, and then sit under that tree, that Bodhi tree, until he understood what suffering was made of. And what he did understand, what he understood 
what he awakened to, was rooted in seeing the world of suffering as it is and understanding what it's made of. The peace the Buddha promised is found in a personal understanding of ignorance and a personal practice to overcome this ignorance. You don't, quote, get peace by avoiding seeing the suffering around you. You don't get peace by ignoring suffering's existence. That attitude will only prolong your suffering due to clinging to an ignorant view instead of immersing yourself into understanding right view, the first of the Eightfold Path. You don't get peace at all. It's not something someone can give you. It's something you create in yourself. Like Titnat Han's being peace. You become peace. It's not something you get from somewhere out there by avoiding what's out there. You know, I heard the term, the tyranny of expectations. I'm not sure who coined the phrase, but it pretty much sums up how I feel about and how I think the everyday Buddhist understanding of the ignorance that arises without right view and the, the suffering resulting from grasping that the second noble truth speaks to. If we have expectations of how things should be, it rules us. And that's why it's a tyranny. It rules our how we feel every day because people and things and everything in the world, they don't live up to those expectations. The development of right view is an inside job. You may be inspired by a teaching, teacher, or book, but it's up to you to make it yours. The Buddha gave us very clear guidelines to have as a practice. And if we consciously practice and test them, we discover a deeper and deeper and deeper understanding. This understanding is how you set your life course and how you steer once you've set that course. You need to know who you are. You need to know what you believe. And then you will know where you're going. If you don't have that initial understanding, you won't know where you're going. And you'll probably end up either off course or drifting aimlessly. What I see is that most people live lost in a drift in an ocean of unconsciously held opinions and assumptions. The practice of right view allows us to be fully aware of what our thinking and therefore our speech, decisions, and actions rest upon and then grows from. In the case of politics or anything else of the world, we must look at it clearly to understand how we will, how we will think about it, how, how will we speak about it, and how will we act in its presence. This is right action, and right action takes away reaction, that, that sort of unconscious held opinion or belief which we react to. 
Ignoring politics or anything else that bothers or upsets us does not make it go away. Ignoring it will not keep the suffering we're trying to avoid from touching us. In fact, I believe that the opposite is true. I do not intend to make my podcast nor the Facebook group a place for political discussion because I don't think it serves the purpose of developing right view. In fact, it is proven that to go down that rabbit hole, especially on Facebook, is the recipe for anger and shouting. At the same time, though, I will on occasion speak up and speak out about what I perceive to be injustices on my personal Facebook page and my personal Twitter account. It is, after all, about coming to my own understanding and hopefully the right understanding developed from my own practice of introspection and meditation and not incited by the loudest or most angry voices. My friend and wise teacher of Japanese psychology, Greg Kretsch, the author of many wonderful books including Taking Action, A Natural Approach to Mental Wellness, Nikon, and others, messaged me yesterday morning with wise words about this subject. It also made me feel better, and he allowed me to share them with you. He wrote, quote, Thank you for your post on Everyday Buddhism discussing, discussing the issues of politics. Those of us in a quote-unquote leadership role, even a small role, have to decide how to publicly address the current situation in our country. Otherwise, we are just ignoring it because it is difficult. There is a great deal of historical research on the passive, even supportive role of Buddhist, te- Buddhist leaders in Japan prior to and during World War II. I have thought about this a lot. It is easy to address things in a seemingly diplomatic way out of fear that we will lose members or followers or supporters who have different beliefs. It is also easy to respond from a place of anger at what, the tr- at what the government under Trump is doing. For me, neither is the right path. Neither is ignoring the issue, as if somehow Buddhism is above the suffering caused by political choices and decisions. I think we need to respond and act through the lens of our Buddhist principles and beliefs regardless of the cost of those who may disagree or be offended by what we say, unquote. Thank you, Greg. Those words of encouragement from one of my respected teachers strengthened my commitment to write, record, and release this podcast as soon as I could, before I sort of let the issue fade. Greg's words are so true. I, too, have been reflecting on the mistrust of the Japanese, and particularly Japanese Buddhists during World War II, as I reread the book American Sutra by Duncan Williams in my preparation for an upcoming podcast. The internment of the Japanese is only one instance of how turning away, ignoring, or burying our heads in the sand can actually be the cause of untold suffering. The Nazi imprisonment and massacre of the Jewish people in Germany is another instance. 
we must respond, as Greg says, quote, through the lens of our Buddhist principles and beliefs, regardless of the cost of those who may disagree or be offended, unquote. I will end this podcast with a sense of hope and faith. I am deeply troubled by what is happening in this country under the Trump administration and because of the silent approval of the Senate and the silent approval of many Americans who either feel emboldened in their own personal anger and fear by the actions and words of Trump or who feel lost, scared, and hopeless. Yet history tells us that our innate good, our innate love, and our innate compassion can and will prevail. The Buddha taught this, and our country was founded on this. To end this podcast episode, I'll share two poems that Duncan Williams shared in his book, American Sutra, for your reflection. The poems were written by the Zen priest, Nyojin Sanaki. The first poem, named Parting, was written in 1942 at the height of the Japanese internment, and it begins William's book. Quote, Thus I have heard. The army ordered all Japanese faces to be evacuated from the city of Los Angeles. This homeless monk has nothing but a Japanese face. He stayed here 13 springs, meditating with all faces from all parts of the world and studied the teaching of Buddha with them. Wherever he goes, he may form other groups inviting friends of all faces, beckoning them with the empty hands of Zen. Unquote. And then Duncan Williams ends his book with the second poem, by Senzaki, written in 1945 and testifying to Senzaki's faith in Buddhism and in the U.S. Constitution, despite what happened to him, and by extension, his faith in his country and its people. I share that faith, that we will stand up, speak out, and do what we are guided to do by our own personal Dharma practice, and that this ugly time in our country where we are still imprisoning people and babies with other, because they have another color skin, will end. And if we can, only if we continue, I think, to stand up and speak out in whatever way that's possible for us. And the poem reads, quote, Land of liberty, people of independence, the Constitution is beautiful. It blooms like the spring flower. It is the scripture itself. No foreign book can surpass it. Like the baby Buddha, each of the people should point to heaven and earth and say, quote, America is the country of righteousness, unquote. May it be so. That's it for today's episode. Until next time, keep finding ways to make yours and all other people's days beautiful. Mm-hmm.